Welcome to Passion Life Church. And we're so excited about this series entitled Heroes. Would you say this with me? Would you say, I'm a hero? You are a hero to somebody. Maybe it's your little baby, like today, Jamie and Jason are here, and she just gave birth like two hours ago, was it? No, it was like three days ago, and brought this little tiny girl into the world, and they are, they are, are here today. But you are a hero to somebody. Maybe it's your niece, your nephew. And you know, in this series, what we're doing is we're just looking at people in the Bible, some of the greatest heroes that ever lived. And what we're doing is we're allowing their lives to speak to us today. What is it that they knew? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter 24, and we're going to begin reading in verse 12. And let me give you a little history. Today, we are going to look at a female hero in the Bible, and her name is Rebecca. Rebecca. And as you're turning to Genesis chapter 24, verse 12, let me give you a little history. Rebecca is Abraham's daughter-in-law. Abraham is one of the heroes. Abraham, we're going to talk about him in, in this series. He's what we call the hero of our faith. The Bible, he, he was actually called a friend of God, Abraham was. Well, today we're going to talk about Rebecca because Rebecca was Abraham's daughter-in-law. And God promised Abraham that he would be a father to many nations. Some of us that grew up in children's church, I don't know if you ever remember, but they taught us a song. It was called Father Abraham. And it said like, it went like this. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. And so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. And they went on like that. And then at the end, you start doing the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around. And it was an amazing song. And so Abraham is one of the greatest heroes. And he has, uh, Rebecca's going to be his daughter-in-law because she's going to marry his chosen son, which was Isaac. Now, you got to understand something about Abraham. Abraham waited. He had this promise from God that he would have a son. And he didn't have the son until he was about 100 years old. Well, his son Isaac is getting older, and this promise has to come to pass by his son getting married. Well, guess what? His son wasn't getting married. And so Abraham's a little concerned that his son's not getting married. This is a problem. Abraham's concerned about this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to find out how Abraham's daughter-in-law, whose name is Rebecca, how she becomes a part of this great story and what would she say to us today now let me just warn you what we're talking about today today's statement from her life her life's principle is you would find this principle in pretty much all of the bible as a matter of fact you would actually i believe all of the heroes that we've gone through would tell you that their life has been about this one principle if i was to teach on this principle as much as the bible talks about it probably one in five of every of my messages would have this principle in it the new testament talks about this principle twice as much as it talks about heaven and hell and this is what Rebecca's life principle would say to us today. Rebecca would say this, give generously to others. Give generously to others. Invest your life with an eternal perspective. Not just money, not just money, your time, your attention to people, 
your hugs. Come on. Give hugs, not drugs. Your encouraging words. Come on, give generously to others. And what she's going to show us today, Rebecca, this little story, it's just a little story in Genesis. She's going to show us the impact of her generosity to the point that July 31st, 2016, we're talking about her generosity today. And so Abraham has this plan. I got to get my son married. God gave me a promise. It's just not working for him. And if you are single and ready to mingle, ladies and gentlemen, Lean into this message this morning because it's going to help you. Isaac needed a little help from his dad. Now, you have to understand in these times that the parents would arrange the marriages. And so this is what Abraham comes up with. Abraham comes up with, I'm going to get my top servant, and he's going to go out, and he's going to find a lady for my son. So he gets, Abraham gets his servant, loads up the servant with all of these jewelry, all of this beautiful jewelry. I thought I'd hear at least one amen when I said jewelry today, but I'm telling you, you need to drink a little more coffee before you come to service this morning. Come on, ladies. He put on the camels some jewelry. Oh my goodness. Lord, I can't even get an amen with the ladies with jewelry. What did you say? Try again. Okay. Give them mercy. So he loads up the camel with jewelry. Thank you, Jesus. Whoo! I felt it. You know, not one camel, not five camels, ten camels. This servant, and I love this servant, because this servant, actually, if you want to go a little deeper, he tells his, his master Abraham, he says, I will find a bride for your son. I will not rest to find a bride for your son. I feel like this servant when it comes to winning people for Jesus. Because you know what? For us, we are the bride of Christ. When you become a child of the living God, the Bible uses a connotation of marriage that Jesus and the church will be married, that the church is his bride. And I feel like this servant, because I feel like I've told God, God, I want to go out into the world and find your bride. I want to find more people so they can give their life to you so they can become a part of the the body of Christ and the bride of Christ. And I don't want to rest until we find more of the bride of Christ for you, Jesus. That was the commitment of this servant. But I got to tell you, it's a lot of pressure because now the pressure's on him to find a lady for Isaac. So he loads up the camels with jewelry. Now, I just can't imagine this pressure that he has, but he goes out there. Now listen, he goes out to find a woman. He couldn't just, how many of you know, he couldn't just log on to christianmingle.com. He couldn't just log on to eHarmony. He had to go out, right? And if you have Genesis chapter 24, verse 12, let's read this, it says, Talking about the servant, it says, then he prayed. Who prayed? The servant. Then he prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make me successful today. Can I just tell you if there's any pressure on your life today, pray that God will make you successful. Pray, he says, make me successful today and show me kindness to my master Abraham. See, I am standing beside the spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar and I may have a drink. And she says, drink and I'll water your camels too. Let her be the one you have chosen for my servant 
Isaac, by this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Now this servant is praying and this is a huge request. This servant had 10 camels. It's a huge venture, but look what happens in verse 15. Before he finished praying, Rebecca, oh, come on, somebody, comes out with her jar on her shoulders. So here he opens up his eyes. He sees this woman with some biceps. Come on, somebody, because she was doing CrossFit and she had, you all know what CrossFit is. And she had this jar. Now, what they think and historians think is that this jar held about two to five gallons. She's got some guns and she's bringing them to the gun show. Kind of like mine, right? And you don't have to laugh so hard. All right. So, and she's got this jar. He opens up his eyes. Now, this servant makes a prayer and I don't encourage this. He makes what I call a fleece prayer. Lord, if you do this. Then I'll do that. that. That's Old Testament. They didn't have the Holy Spirit on the inside of them like you and I do. And so he prays this prayer, and here's his prayer. Lord, I'm going to ask one of these young ladies to give me a drink of water. And the one that says these words, can I give a drink to your camels too? I know she's going to be the one. He opens up his eyes, and there is Rebecca holding her jar. And he asks Rebecca, Rebecca, could I have a drink of water? And you know what she says? She says, sure you can. And this is what she says. Can I give waters to your camels too? And in that moment, something happened, a miracle take place. Now, this may not seem like a big deal, but because I'm the pastor and I investigated a little bit, I thought, hmm, what would this be like? What is she really doing? She's about to water 10 camels. So I put a little math together, maybe just to help us understand. And I put it on the screen. 10 camels at 20 gallons each, right? And that's a minimum of what a camel will drink, about 20 gallons each. That equals 200 Gallons. So 200 gallons drawn with a five gallon jar is 40 trips to the strip, uh, to the, to the stream. And then 40 trips to the stream at three minutes each would have cost Rebecca conservatively two hours. So her little, can I give some water to your camels too, would interrupt her day for two hours. For two hours. Taking her jar, allowing the servant to drink, and then giving to the camels. This little, hey, how can I help you? Can I give you some to drink? But can I just tell you, my church family, her attitude is starkly different from the attitude of today. Because the attitude of today and human nature is, it's all about me. What is the least I can give to get? What is the least amount that I could do and still get? But she didn't have that attitude. Rebecca would say, you know what? You have it all wrong today. You have it all wrong about just seeing the least that you can give. Do you know that even today, as you're sitting there, do you know you're giving something to me? You know what you're giving to me today? You're giving to me your attention. 
And as you give me your attention, you're going to walk out here, I believe, to change person, encourage, strengthen. Now here, there are people who will come to church and they will come. They don't give their attention. They don't give into the service. So guess what? They get nothing out of the service. And they just go, man, that was boring. I didn't get anything out of it. But you know what? You didn't even give your attention to it. Because you could be sitting here and your mind could be wondering about, are the Chargers going to win this season? See, you could be here, but not here. And one of the things that I've learned, wherever I'm at, be all the way there. Give my attention to it because if you'll give into it, you'll get something out of it. Come on, can you say a good amen? And Rebecca was doing something way more than just being nice. A miracle would take place. The servant, when, she, when he saw what Rebecca did, went to the camels and pulled out tons of jewelry for Rebecca and the servant proposed to Rebecca for Isaac how many of you know when Rebecca saw the jewelry and the servant proposed she said yes sir (laughs) yes sir because a diamond is a girl's best friend and unfortunately for us guys a dog is a girl's is a boy what happened with that I told my wife, I'm going to get a dog and I'm going to name him Tattoo. That way, when people are showing their tattoos, I say, I got a tattoo. He's at home. He's my dog. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. And that may just help us in this lesson. Young men, young men listening to the podcast today that you would know a jewelry helps a lot. Come on, say amen, ladies. Come on. It helps a lot. Tons and tons of jewelry. Why? Why? Because Rebecca said, can I go the next step and help you water your camels? All because she was asked, hey, give some water. And she went above and beyond for two hours. And I think Rebecca would tell us in this day and age, listen, Passion Life Church, everything you do counts. Everything you do and everything you give, it counts. And what I did today is I, I want to talk to you about what I call Rebecca's principle. And there's four of them. And Rebecca would say to us today, this is what her life would say. She would tell us, number one, you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. You can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. Can I just tell you, generosity will never flow to you and from you when you are legalistic. And you know what? Really, legalism starts by being ungrateful. By being ungrateful for the things and the blessings that you have. And you know what legalism does? And let me just give you a little encouragement how you know when you start to get legalistic. At the contrast between legalism and love, legalism will count, but love gives countlessly. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the love chapter, when it talks about love, it says, do not dishonor others. Love is not self-seeking it is not easily angered and listen to this one love keeps no record of wrong can I just tell all of us that are married and those that are about to be married if you're going to be married and keep records of wrongs of your spouse it's your marriage is not going to work because that's not love that's legalism well you did this and you were and I got a scorecard and you have four and I have one and I'm better than you who cares 
You got married to help each other. You got married to be better together. And if you have that attitude, it's not going to last. You're going to have to forgive and forget. You know why? That's what God does. The Bible says in the New Testament, he doesn't just forget our sins, but he remembers them no more. That's a good principle for marriage. We have to forgive and forget. You're going to have to wake up in the morning and forgive, or you're going to start getting angry at each other and keeping score. That's what legalism does. Legalism counts, but love gives countlessly. It gives countlessly. And you know what legalism will start to do? Legalism will start to close your heart. When in reality, you know what God wants to do in our lives? God wants to open our hearts. You know, I don't know about you, but I want to have a big heart. And that's what generosity does. It stretches our heart. I want to have a big heart. That's why, you know, as we take up the offerings every week, we're, I'm trying to stretch you. Why? To get your heart bigger. Some of us, it's 2016. You don't have to wait till 2017 to start to grow and start to get a bigger heart. You know what you got to do? You got to start to stretch your heart with, with uh, generosity. But legalism will start to count pretty interesting this last week for me. Um, uh, I went to a conference. Uh, my brother and some friends invited me to a conference down in San Diego. A friend of mine has a church there and great conference. And, um, and so I was at the conference and at the end of one night, I mean, it was just such an incredible night. And I knew, I just knew I had to do something. I, I, one principle you're going to have to understand in your life, what you give into, you will get out of. I want to give into stuff. I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part. When God's doing I want to be a part of that. And yeah, I was a part of the conference, but I knew that I needed to give something financially. And so he gave, and he got up and gave an offering. I said, let's take up an offering. All of us were pastors there. And, uh, and I just felt in my heart to give. And I just gave. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday. I was at the conference. Do you know they charged me a registration fee? They charged me a registration fee. I spent gas to get down there. I spent money on my food. I could have said in those moments, well, they charged me a registration fee. I ain't gonna get who they think I ain't gonna get. <laughs> but see, this is what legalism does. It starts to count, count. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to give into this. I want to give into another church. You know why? Because I want people to give into our church. And so I gave that night. You know what? It is totally insane, absolutely cray-cray what God will do. Two days later, same conference, a guy walks up to me. He says, hey, are you Phil? And I'm like, man, this guy knows my name. that I forgot I was wearing a name tag. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I'm Phil. And I was like, oh. He says, hey, well, I'm so-and-so. He says, you, you don't know me. We've never met. He says, but um, we went through ARC training together. That's our, uh, that's our network that we're a part of, of a church planting network. And he says, um, hey, uh, I just, I've heard about your church through a mutual friend, heard that some momentum's happening. And he says, man, we just want you to know that we're praying for you. We're believing for you. And I said, man, thank you. And then he said to me, he said, did you get our check? I said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> He said, did you get our check? I said, from where? He said, from our church. I said, oh, I haven't got it yet, but I'm, I'll leave this conference right now and go get it if I need to. He said, well, we just sent you a check. Two days ago, I felt on my heart to be generous. And I wish I could tell you that the story ended there, but he says, we want to come to your church 
on Sunday. We have some friends that live in Temecula. Is it okay that you visit our church? I'll save you a seat. And he came last week. We went to lunch afterwards. He said, I just want to let you know, I didn't tell you the full story, but for the next five months, our church wants Passion Life Church to be its mission. And we're going to be sending you finances every month till the end of December because we want to be a part. And I thought, here I am standing at this conference going, I paid a registration fee. And you know, when I gave, there was already a check on the way. And I got home. And there was a check for Passion Life Church to bless our church. And I'm just telling you, my church family, it's so easy to slip into legalism. And legalism will close your heart. And nothing that I gave, listen, what I gave that night was nothing compared to what that church is going to give to our church. But I'm just telling you, when you start to get into legalism, your heart's going to close. And the goal of God is to open up your heart to generous. And they don't even know what God is going to do with that finances that they send us because it's going to help more people in Marietta come to know Jesus Christ. Come on, would you give him a great round of applause today? Legalism always says, I have to. I have to do this. I have to. No, generosity says, I get to. Jesus didn't say, I have to die on the cross for these humans. Jesus said, I get to go down there and die for the world. Nobody took his life. He gave his life for us to be our savior. What if your spouse walked up to you and said, I have to love you? <laughs> Many people in that place. You know, I think about it all the time. My wife didn't have to marry me. She could have married some other person that was better looking, had more money. But you know what? I get to be her husband. I get to spend the rest of my life with her. I get to have babies with her. Come on, somebody. She chose me and I chose her. But you know what? Every day when I get up and I see her in the morning without her makeup on, she's got those big Dora Explorer eyes. Come on, how many, how many of you know? I'm the map, I'm the, all that, you know? And I see her in the morning and I remind myself, I get to be a part of this woman's life. Thank you, Jesus. I don't have to love you, Val. I get to love you. Woo! And you know what? You get to love me. But can I just tell you, the more legalistic you become, the less gratitude you have. And the less gratitude you have, the less generous you will be. We're most like Christ when we're generous. And one of the greatest abilities that God has given us is the ability to give. I can never choose my harvest, but I can choose what I give. That's what I'm in charge of. And Rebecca would say, listen, you can't be generous and legalistic at the same time. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse 10. Are you glad you came to church today? Verse 10 says, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will incur and, and enlarge. Come on, everybody say that. Say large. Enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. This is my goal. Every occasion. Every time I'm stopped. Can you help? I can help you. That's my goal. 
personally. I want to be generous on every occasion. And that through your generosity, listen, here's the goal. It will result in thanksgiving to God. When those people gave to me, I was thanking God. And you know what? When you are generous to people, you know what the result is? They see God in action and they thank God. He's so good. Here's another principle that I believe Rebecca would tell us. Number two, Rebecca would say, you can't walk the second mile until you've walked the first mile. Rebecca would say, look, I didn't have money. All I had was my jar and my biceps. That's all I had. I had one jar. See, maybe I think those of us who are more middle age now at this point, we understand going the first mile, then going the second mile. Because I hear people say, well, Pastor Phil, if I had what you had, I would give what you could give. No, you wouldn't. If you don't give right now, you won't give when you get later. Because the principle is not that. The principle is you have to go the first mile first. See, before people start comparing themselves to me, can I just tell you, at age 18, 19, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I was so excited that I was going to heaven. And here's all I knew. I didn't know. I hadn't gone to Bible college. All I knew was I'm going to heaven. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I'm going to help everybody get to heaven as much as I can. I will do whatever I can. My dad had a Hispanic church, okay? And so I didn't really know Spanish, but I I knew that God wanted people to go to heaven. So I got involved in the praise and worship. Some days I played bass. If the bass player showed up, then I played drums. If the drummer didn't show up, right? Come on, somebody. And then after going into praise and worship, I'd run back behind the stage and I'd jump into the children's church because I wanted to see kids come to Jesus. And then on Thursday night, I would do the youth because I wanted to see youth come to Jesus. I was working a full-time job and going to college, but I didn't matter to me. You know why? I wanted to see people come to Jesus Christ. And I'm just telling you, I was willing to go the first mile before I was willing to go the second mile. But I think we live in a time, especially more with our younger generation, where they live in an entitlement society where I want everything now. You can't get second mile blessings until you go the first mile. If you want second mile blessings, you have to be willing to start with A, the first mile. See, people want Isaac's jewelry, but they don't want to water the camels. Oh, look at that jewelry. And I think Rebecca was smart enough to go, who is this person? I will help them at any cost. And she got up and she helped. You know what Rebecca could have said? You want a drink of water? Hello, I only have one jar. Who do you think you are? You're a man, I'm a woman asking me for a drink. <laughs> Talk to the left hand because you ain't right. Right? That's prevalent today. Excuse me, I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah, but you're busy, but you're also single and you're looking for someone to marry. And that's what I love about my wife. She was volunteering in the coffee shop at our church and didn't even like coffee. But she loved the way it smelled. And I remember buying coffee. I was addicted to coffee because I was addicted to her. And you know what I loved about her? When I found out about her, she was a physical therapist making good money. She didn't have to volunteer in the church coffee shop. She didn't need to. But you know what? She had a heart for God. She had a generous heart. And I said, man, that's somebody I want to be with. 
That's somebody I want to be with. And you know, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 talks about what we do with the very little things that we have. Whosoever can be trusted with very little, very little. That's where it starts, the first mile. Very little can also be trusted with very much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. Listen to this. It starts with how you handle what you have. Can I ask you a question? How do you handle your time? How do you, I would say that binge watching Netflix, you know, every week is not a good man, time management. Uh, how do, let me ask you this. How do you, handle your, your, how do you handle your smile this morning when you walked in? How'd you handle that? Walk into church. Walk into church. Can I ask you a question? How did you handle your hugs this morning? When you walked in, did you look at somebody and say, hey man, can I just tell you, as Passion Life Church's pastor, can I tell you the church that I see? I see a church of people, Christian people. Now, if you're here and you're not a Christian and this is new for you, just wait and listen, because I think even you will like this. I see a church of people not just coming to church to get their own needs met. I see a church of people that come not just to take and, and receive, but a church that primarily wakes up in the morning and says, Sunday is here and I'm going to go to church and I'm going to love on somebody. I'm going to come to church and I'm going to give somebody a compliment. I'm going to come to church and I'm going to encourage somebody today. I'm going to shake somebody's hands. I'm going to wrap my arms around them today. I'm talking about a generous church. I'm going to smile at somebody today. Listen, you don't have to be a prophet of God to encourage somebody. Could you imagine what would happen, my church family, if every single one of us that walked in this door today came with that mentality? I'm not leaving till I tell three people something good. I'm not leaving today till I compliment three people. Do you know there would not be an empty seat in the house and people would be getting saved? Why? Because they would sense the love of Jesus Christ coming out from God's people that they wouldn't be able to say no. They would say, I want a part of that. And I want to encourage you, my church family, let's not just come to church for us. Oh, I'm tired. I'm this. You know what? The Bible says this. When you refresh other people, you will be refreshed. And sometimes I come, I'm tired, and, you know, I, I have a long week, and I just love Sundays because I leave Sundays so fulfilled because I gave my all. But you know what? I get refreshed in the process. How do you handle your time? How do you handle the opportunities that you have? Rebecca started with Sure, I'll give you a drink. You know how David started? David started with, sure, dad, I'll take these cheeses and these breads to my brother. And then that's how he met Goliath. You remember the woman last week that, that talked to Elijah? And she said, sure, Elijah, I will give you a piece of my bread. God supplied for Elijah and her and her son. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. Jesus said, and if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two miles with them. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from them, from the one who needs to borrow from you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a heart of generosity. Can I just say this to you? If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. What I have find, found in my life is that me going the second mile helps somebody else to go their first mile. Jesus said, 
And this, we know this in history, that if you were walking and a Roman soldier said, here, take my armor and take it for a mile, that was law. Jesus said, look at them and say, I'll go two with you. Why? Because me going two miles may help that Roman soldier see Christ in me. It's not about the armor and it's not about the length of time. It's about a heart of generosity that says, I'm not just gonna do what's required. I'm gonna go further because of Jesus. Can you say a good amen this morning? Number three, another Rebecca principle, she would say, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. Have you ever seen a funeral procession going down the street with the cops? Have you ever seen a funeral hearse going down the street and a U-Haul attached to it with all their stuff? Have you ever seen that? We've never seen it because it doesn't happen. Because you're not taking anything with you. Nothing. Not your house. Not even my Nintendo. No. You're not taking nothing with you. Did you ever hear the story about the guy that he made all this money, made tons of money. And he told his wife, when I die, I want you to put all my money in my casket with me. Well, he died. They're sitting there at the funeral. There was his casket. They were about to close it. She takes a box. His wife takes a box and puts it on the casket. And they close the casket. She sits back down and a friend says, that is so honorable of you. I cannot believe that you honored his request to put all his money in his casket. That's so amazing of you. You know what she said? She said, yeah, I wrote him a check. <laughs> you can't take it with you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal, but store up for your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and, th and where thieves do not break in and steal. And I want you to hear this this morning about Rebecca because this is one of the reasons why I chose her. My church family, sometimes we think in order to be a hero, we have to do all these extravagant things. Little did Rebecca know that two hours of watering camels would put her in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Two hours of of watering camels, she would become a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ. She would become Jesus's great, 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 great grandmother. 37. Come on, I practiced that all week and I got it right. Thank you for that golf clap. I appreciate it. That's why I hate golf. <laughs> Rebecca would help fulfill Abraham's promise to have a son because she would marry Isaac. And through that lineage would come our Savior. And you know how she got in that? By saying, can I water your camels too? See, you don't have to be this amazing person to be a hero. All you have to do is have a generous heart. That's what all of the heroes would say today. And we have to understand that everything we do in this life can make a difference.
can make a difference in other people's lives. And here's the last one for today, number four. Rebecca would say this. If you're gonna be generous, you can't wait for the feeling. Feelings will always follow. I'm gonna be honest with you. A lot of times you, don't, you won't feel like being generous because it's contrary to our, our flesh and our human nature. But you know what? When you need to know this about your feelings, when you're tempted, your feelings will lie to you. They will lie to you. But see, I've made a decision. I'm not going to live by pressure. I'm going to live by principle. I'm going to be a man that I'm going to live by principle. My wife, we have ironed out financially what we give to, it's principle. We don't, we don't deviate from that. Honestly, the offering I gave the other day is not something I usually do because I'm already a principled person. It just came out of, out of my heart because I believe that God wanted to do that. But I have a little bit in, of margin there that we're able to do that. But I didn't think, my church family, that Rebecca woke up in the morning and said, oh, I think the waters and camels today. I think, oh, oh, yeah, maybe I'll just go on and see if I can, there's any camels that need watering. I don't think she said that. But she understood the principle of doing something first and the feelings will follow. I'm sure it didn't feel good watering 10 camels, but I'm sure it felt great trying on that jewelry. When my wife picked out her engagement ring, I almost passed out. Because <laughs> I asked her, I said, do you want me to buy it or do you want to go together? That's smart. She said, I want to go together. So we went to every jewelry store. And did I mean every, I mean every jewelry store. And I'm going to tell you, my wife has great taste. Like great taste. Expensive we looked at one, and the lady said the amount, and I had my knees buckled. Oh, Jesus, I just felt the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we all want the feelings that come, but if you're going to live your life based on your feelings, your feelings will lead you on a journey, and you will find yourself lost one day, because one day they're up, one day they're down. Here's what I found out. If you'll make the decision first, the feelings will follow. Love is not a feeling, ladies and gentlemen. Love is a commitment and a decision that we make. And when we make that decision, then all of the feelings come. Because after you get married, after the honeymoon goes away, there's going to be times when you just don't feel it. And people will get divorced. I just don't feel it anymore. You know what? You made a decision and a commitment. And so if you'll open up your heart and be generous, you will find that the feelings will come later. How many times we get up and we don't feel like worshiping God, but we lift up our hands anyway and we begin to exalt his name. And you know what? Then we begin to have a sense of the presence of God. But it didn't start with a feeling. It started with the decisions. And your feelings will lie to you, but decisions will stick with you forever. Stick with you forever. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Can I ask you a question, Passion Life Church? Is God your treasure? Because if God is your treasure, your heart will be filled with God. Is my treasure about the things of heaven? Then my heart, heaven will have my heart. I'm going to tell you today, heaven has my heart. I'm willing to do anything to see people come to Jesus Christ. All of us, and we talk about our houses and our cars, and I love it. I hope God blesses you with stuff, but I hope he, you understand that he blesses you so you can be a blessing. But let me tell you, when we die, that, none of that's going to matter. You know what's going to matter is the people that you brought with you to heaven. Come on. Can you say a good amen?
and let's bring some people. How do we do that? We just be generous. And today as we close, I looked at these heroes and I've just been kind of giving some final words of Rebecca would tell us today that even the smallest acts of generosity make a difference. And listen to this. And when you give, your generosity will oftentimes outlive you. It will outlive you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we're talking about a woman who became a part of the lineage of Jesus Christ because of a small act of generosity. And she would say that your generosity is going to outlive you. And she would say this, every time you give, give as unto the Lord. And I want to read this last verse to you. I hope that it will shake you up this morning. Because my church family, not in a guilty way, you need to know this. But you need to know this in a reward way. God sees everything that you do. Jesus said, Matthew 10, 42, if anyone, would you say that with me? Say anyone. Come on, say it loud. Anyone. If anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these ones because he is my disciple. I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. In other words, if you today, the person who brought me this cup of water today in our service, they brought it to me, they have a reward because God sees what they did. Even though they brought it to me, they did it as unto the Lord and God will reward them. Come on, give the Lord a good round of applause. He sees this. He sees it all. He sees when you buy a cup of coffee for the guy next to you. He sees it all. That's why I'm telling you, you do it under the Lord. It will change your work ethic when you start working for him and realize it's really not about your employer. It's really not about if your boss sees it because the heavenly father sees it and he will reward what you do in private. He'll reward it in public. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. And Rebecca would say, even the small things. Jesus said, I tell you, you know what? Even when you do it for one of the least of these, you do it unto me. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 